Hello, and welcome to Reading the Room, a psychic exploration. My name is Kate. I will be your host today, but I cannot do it alone. And so I'm going to introduce our host, second host, Pam. Hello, Pam. Hello, Kate. How are you doing today? How are you? I'm doing great. We are down a man today. So if you regularly listen to the program, you know that Adam is typically our host, but unfortunately he's not able to join us. He'll be back next episode. And so it's just the two of us. Um, What have you been up to, Pam? What have I been up to? Not a whole lot. I would have to start lying to be more interesting. How about you? Oh, well, yesterday I went to the city of Cologne, Germany. Yes. And uh, I saw a 600. Uh, no, it wasn't 600. It was a cathedral that took 600 years to build. And yeah. and, and, and at, at the time that it was built, it was the tallest building in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we just hung out in the city of Cologne, ate some good food, went to a brewery. Sounds like an excellent time. Yeah, it was great. It was awesome. Cologne used to be the capital of Germany. Okay. Yeah, I didn't either. But they said that it, it was the capital of Germany for a really long time. And then it had uh, switched to Berlin not that long ago. Oh, really? I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I didn't either. So it was interesting. It was a good place. If you have the opportunity to go, listeners, Pam, I highly recommend it. It's great. I saw your pictures. I thought they were very impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've been trying to stretch my legs in photography. I will be posting a lot more pictures online. Great. So should we get into it today? We got a couple of stories. We're only going to have two because there's only two of us today. So you want to kick us off? Certainly. All right, cool. All right, here's my story. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. So I want to just, I'm going to tell you that I got this from the history press, but I've read it from several areas. I, I I originally heard it, you know, on other podcasts and I read it other places, but I'm going with the history press. So here's my story. At the height of the Second World War, four young boys went into Hagley Woods looking for bird eggs, then considered a proper occupation for a young man. But they found more than they expected, a human skull hidden in the hollow trunk of a witch elm. When the police were alerted, they discovered the full skeleton, although the left hand had been buried buried separately. The pathologist's examination showed that it was a female who had been dead about 18 months. And because of irregularities in the jaw, police were confident they would soon establish her identity. But a nationwide troll of Dennis produced no candidates, and then things took a more sinister turn. Professor Margaret Murray, then a respected anthropologist, let it be known that this bore all the signs of black magic execution. The hand of glory of an executed person being ritually very powerful and the dead body enclosed in a tree would be unable to haunt its murderers. Then graffiti started appearing. Who put Bella down the witch elm? first in Birmingham and then other points in West Midlands. Still, the police seemed no closer to answering that question, and over the next decades, the graffiti artists continued to taunt them. 
In the 50s, another line of inquiry opened up. A letter of the local police claimed that the victim was a German spy killed by her confederates. The police dismissed this as fanciful, but just in the last year, as M15 files have been opened to public scrutiny, evidence of a German spy ring operating in the area had come to light. One of them had a photograph of a well-known actress, Clara Burrell whom he claimed had also trained to be a spy because she had worked the music halls of Birmingham in the 30s and spoke English with a pronounced groomy accent. She was due to have been parachuted into the area about the time the body in the witch elm had met her fate. Graffiti kept appearing the last time as recent as 1999. Perhaps modern DNA would answer the riddle, but unfortunately the skeleton has disappeared as mysteriously as gotten into the tree in the first place. Some of the theories, um, they thought it was a spy. There was also um, a prostitute in the area named Bella. And they thought maybe somebody had put her in the tree. They had thought maybe somebody had climbed in the tree and was unable to get out. So those were the ideas about Bella and the Witch Elm. Well, that is a crazy story. It is. I just thought that we would look at it and see if we could figure out who Bella was and how she ended up in the Witch Elm. Okay, well, we can take a look. Uh, Listeners, Pam and I are tarot card readers, so we're going to go ahead and shuffle our cards to investigate the Bella and the Wishhelm story. So just give us a second. This is really interesting when I'm picking up. I don't know what you're picking up, but immediately the first thing I got was travel. Hmm. I'm going to have to second that. I do have a card about traveling. I have the chariot card, so Mm -hmm. I can second that um, travel. Yeah, I have the air travel card. And then I I have the queen of swords. Okay. Which is a woman who is very, very strong minded. She can be somebody who can hold her own. And can be a little bit cutting sometimes. When I ask if she was the local prostitute, Bella, I get no. Yeah, I'm picking up a no on that too. And there's a lot of cards I have here that aren't really pointing in that direction. Right. Me too. And then when I ask if it was a ritualistic killing, I get no. I'm also getting a no on that. When I ask if it was somebody who parachuted down, I get yes. I'm also getting a yes on that. And I'm also getting, I have the hangman card. Oh, so I almost wonder, like, did she parachute down and just lose her? What yeah. I'm wondering is if she parachuted down and somehow lost her equipment, but ended up in a tree. Yes. That's what I'm seeing. That's what you pick up too. That's exactly what I pick up. I don't think it's the person, the spy that they were talking about. I think it was somebody else entirely, but I do feel like it was, I feel like it was a spy. Yeah, I have a lot of, I have a lot of cards. I have a lot of cards that say, be careful not to overindulge or not to overdo something. So I feel (laughs) like this might've been a parachuter. Right. I do too. So let me see really quickly. Did somebody take her parachute away? Yes. Was it somebody... Okay. So I'm wondering, was it an enemy who took her parachute away? No. Was it somebody who parachute 
came with her. I feel like maybe somebody else parachuted with her. She got stuck, but they were able to, they were able to get her parachute to like cover up their own tracks or something. Yes. Yeah. I got that too, because I got a man here. I got a man here in a reverse position. We got the King of Swords in reverse, and it means that there's a man who isn't being honest. Somebody never Mm -hmm. really came forward to say, like, hey, like, this happened. So if it was just that, then what's with the graffiti? Let me just say really quickly, I get a card that says this is not the first time that she's done this either. So I feel like she was pretty experienced, and it says she was a strong woman. So is the graffiti... Was that just something made up? Yes. Okay. So it's one of those things where people maybe somebody... hear a story and then they decide to run with it. Exactly. So did they know her name was Bella? No. Were they using the name Bella because that just means beautiful in Italian? Yes. Was it somebody who was Italian? Did they know that much? No. Okay. So somebody just liked the name and used that name. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. It looks like that's how she met her demise. Well, case closed then. Case closed. (laughs) All right. So let's take a look here. All right. I got a story for you guys. And I guess you and I kind of went in the same direction this week. So this one's about Cindy James. And the question is police negligence or suicide? Okay. On the 8th of June in 1989, the lifeless body of 44-year-old Cindy James was found lying in the yard of an abandoned house in a quiet city in Richmond, Vancouver. Cindy had been drugged and strangled. Her feet and hands had been tied behind her back, despite the condition in which she was found and that she had been a victim of harassment and assault by an unknown assailant. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police believed her death was either an accident or a suicide. That's curious. In 1966, Cindy graduated from nursing school, but she decided to become an administrator at preschool for children with behavioral and emotional issues. Cindy was married, but she did not have any children of her own. In July of 1982, she and her husband, Roy Makepeace, separated. Only four months after their separation, Cindy began receiving mysterious and sometimes threatening phone calls. These relentless calls came in many forms, with a voice on the other end sometimes whispering, at other times shouting obscenities and threats, and still, on other occasions, say nothing at all. Sydney didn't recognize the voice. The calls increased in frequency, coming in at all hours of day and night, and it left her unable to relax or even sleep. Over the course of the next seven years, she reported nearly 100 incidents of harassment to the police, five of which were physical, violent attacks, while others were whispering or silent phone calls. Things got worse after she involved the police. Cindy's family and friends were questioned, but it seemed that Cindy had no known enemies and wasn't involved in any illegal activities. This made it difficult for the police to understand why she was being harassed so relentlessly. According to her friend, Angus Woodcock, bizarre notes with letters cut from magazines began to appear on her doorstep after the police became involved. At night, Cindy would hear someone outside her house prowling about. Her porch lights were smashed, and one evening she she even tried to call the police, and she realized her phone lines were cut. 
There, yeah, there was also three dead cats left hanging in her garden. And on one occasion, her dog was nearly strangled to death. She even received a picture. Yeah. She received a picture of a dead body in the morgue on the windshield of her car. She believed that someone was trying to scare her to death. She became reluctant and frightened to give details. Over time, the police began to doubt her stories. Angus decided to give Cindy a visit one night in January of 1983 and knocked on her door. There was no answer, and she knocked a few more times, but eventually assumed that Cindy was taking a bath. As she investigated, she came across Cindy outside. She was crouched down with a nylon stocking tightly tied around her neck. She said that she had gone out to the garage to get a box and someone had grabbed her from behind. All she saw were the assailant's white sneakers. This experience understandably left Cindy traumatized and due to the harassment and violence, she moved to a new house, painted her car and changed her last name. She also hired a private investigator named Ozzy Caban to try and find out who was doing all of this to her. The police continued their investigation and questioned Cindy several times. Ozzy later reported that she would not tell them the entire story. She would be evasive, withhold information, and would not act like a normal victim would. When the police gave her a polygraph test, the examination also claimed that she was withholding information. Her mother, Tilly Hack, thinks the reason for reluctance was that her attacker had threatened her family. Cindy might have been scared at that uh, by naming the attacker or he would kill her family and friends. In the evening of January 30th, 1984, Ozzy heard strange sounds coming from a two-way radio he had given Cindy and went straight to her house. Once he arrived at her home, he found it was locked. Looking through the windows, he saw Cindy laying on the floor with a paring knife through her hand. She was taken to the hospital where she later recalled being attacked by an unknown assailant and a needle going into her arm. Police never found fingerprints from the suspect and there was no independent corroboration. Cindy sometimes only saw one attacked and at the other times there were two or three, but police could never find a suspect. The threatening phone calls continued, but they were too short to trace. She would never receive any threatening calls or be attacked while the police had 24-hour surveillance on her house, sometimes for days on end with up to 14 officers present. But when surveillance was off of her house, another incident would happen. As police became skeptical of the harassment, Cindy's parents believed her attacker was staying away to make them suspicious of her monitoring her every move. On December 11th, 1985, Cindy was found dazed and semi-conscious laying in a ditch six miles from her house. She was wearing a man's work boot and glove and was suffering from hypothermia. She also had cuts and bruises all over her body. A back nylon stocking had been tied tightly around her neck. A needle mark was found on her arm. Cindy, unfortunately, had no memory of what had happened. Angus and her husband, Tom, stayed with Cindy to keep her calm and help protect her. One night in April 1986, they heard noises and awoke to find the basement in flames and the phone dead. When Tom went to alert the neighbors, he saw a man on the curb and asked him to call the fire department. Instead, the man simply ran down the street. The police suspect that Cindy had staged the incident. They found no dust or fingerprints disturbed on the outside of the windowsills. The fire was set inside the house. To set the fire, it was thought the perpetrator would have needed to climb through a specific window. It was also considered 
odd by the police that Cindy still freely walked her dog outside during the attacks and harassment. Cindy's doctor committed her to a local psychiatric ward. He had come to believe that she was becoming suicidal. Ten weeks later, she left the hospital. Her father, Otto Hack, said that she finally admitted to her family and friends that she knew more than she was saying. She told them that she believed she knew the identity of the perpetrator and that she would go after them herself. In October of 1988, Roy received a bizarre message on his answering machine. The raspy voice said, Cindy, dead meat soon. On October 26, Cindy came home from work and was attacked outside her house in, a, in the, her carport. She was later found unconscious in her car, nude from the waist down. A nylon stocking was tied around her neck and her arms and legs were hogtied with, the, with a second one. Duct tape was found over her mouth in an attempt to keep her from breathing. She went into a coma but survived. In spring of 1989, she was purported to her family and friends that attacks seemed to be decreasing. Cindy was finally feeling better for the first time in a while. On May 25, 1989, six years and seven months after the first threatening phone call, Cindy disappeared without a trace. On the same day, her car was found in a neighborhood shopping plaza parking lot. Inside were groceries and a wrapped gift. The police investigated her car and found blood on the driver's side door, and there were items from her wallet that were under the car. Two weeks later, her body was found at the abandoned house about one kilometer from the shopping plaza. It looked like she had been brutally murdered. Her hands and feet were bound together beyond her back. A black nylon stocking was tied tightly around her neck. Yet the autopsy revealed she died from an overdose of morphine, the sedative flurzepam, and other drugs. Police concluded that she had committed suicide and closed the case in July of 1989. Ozzy didn't believe that Cindy would have been able to stage the scene, but others believed it was possible. In Vancouver, the coroner ruled that her death was not a suicide, an accident, or a murder. They determined that she died of an unknown event. Otto and Tilly never doubted that she was murdered. Otto believed the police did not investigate the possibility of homicide or of somebody murdering her, instead zeroing in on to try to prove that she committed suicide. They believe someone in Vancouver got away with a murder. Otto and Tilly have since passed away without ever knowing what really happened to their daughter. During the investigation, Roy was a suspect along with Patty McBride, a lover of Cindy's, who was a policeman. The men seen at the curb running away during the fire has never been identified, but is also a suspect. Strange, well, huh? That, yeah, that's some story. Isn't it weird that the police were like, yeah, we found her having drugs in her system, but nah, it doesn't look like murder. Like, it hog, clearly hog sounds tied. like a murder. Yeah. 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 Hog, so, how do you get hogtied in your own suicide? Yeah. So uh, I don't know what the deal is with this story. I feel like there's a lot of lies going on. It said that she had a tie to a police officer. So let's take a look and shuffle our cards and see what the deal is. Yeah, this is interesting. Cindy James. Okay, I just want to let you know that, like, my initial, as a person hearing that story, my initial thoughts were, like, this lady didn't commit suicide. There's no way. I 
it sounds like she was being harassed by somebody and she was eventually killed for it. That's like my thoughts on the situation. Okay. Mine too. But (laughs) you're coming up with the same thing I'm coming up with. But I, but when I asked if she killed herself, I'm getting you. Yes. And I, I, so I, it's weird. I don't. And when I ask, like, did she, was she kind of staging these, these events and picking up a yes. Yes, I am too. Oh my God. I was not expecting that. I was expecting those like, nah, man, she was murdered by, you know, clearly somebody, but I get that <laughs> she had, she may have had a lot of, she may have been dealing with a lot of stress in her life. And perhaps it was stress that she might have created her, her herself in her own mind because I have the nine yeah. of swords. Which I'm getting some, the nine of swords. I, I was gonna say I'm getting mental health issues. Nine of swords. No, I do not have that one, but I do have. Um, that's so funny that you're getting this too because I also did not want to think that you know it was her. It didn't make sense. It just seemed like it was going to be an outsider, but I'm not getting that at all. What I am getting is I have the temperance card upside down, mm-hmm. uh, which is instead of having things be temperate and, um, and balanced, it's like really crazy kind of energy. And then on top of that, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting the queen of swords again. So today we've dealt with two women who were very strong in, in different ways. And what I'm also getting is somebody who was hesitant to let people in too closely. I, I'm pick, So I was saying I got the nine of swords. So for those of you who don't know, the nine of swords is a card where somebody's sitting in a bed crying. They're just mm-hmm. really upset, not happy, very miserable. And then I have cards here that talk to me. We have the five of cups, which means that somebody's looking back into the past with sadness, like um, or feeling like maybe they lost the love of their life or something like that, because I have the lover's card here. And I was like, is this a current relationship or is this a relationship that she lost at some point in time? So I feel like there was a lot of sadness attached to a relationship that she, that it didn't work out. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I have the hermit card, which means that somebody was putting a lot of space between other people and themselves yeah, I want to tell you that, yeah, I have um, the Ten of, of Wands, which means that she was working really hard at this whole thing, trying to trying to make it look like she was being stalked. But I think that she was doing this to get somebody's attention. Yeah, I think so. I think there was a lack of purpose in her life because when I pulled the Hermit card, that was kind of coming through that like she didn't really have a lot of purpose and really hoping that this relationship might come back in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I would agree with that, but it doesn't look like she was getting what she had hoped for because she's getting, she has the four of pentacles and it means that somebody isn't, isn't being giving in a relationship the way that you would hope. Mm-hmm. I have, yeah, I have the temperance card upside down and temperance card, um, talks a lot about balance but i also have a the two of of pentacles which also talks about balance and they're both upside down like the balance was off and i feel like her mental health was off and that she was staging these situations to try to get attention in hopes that it would make the um, person come back 
Yeah, I have a the Knight of Pentacles, and what I'm picking up on that is like, for those of you that don't know about the Knight of Pentacles, when it comes to relationships, he's really standoffish at first, and then over time things grow. So I'm picking up that there was a hope that like, oh, like if I do these things cumulatively, it'll pay off, you know, in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't look like it did because I have the Wheel of Fortune, which means that you feel like you're in a rut or you're not moving forward or like this isn't ever going to go anywhere. Like this isn't working. Right. It does seem like it does seem like her life was. I'm sorry. Can you say that again? I always oh, I said it does seem like her life was in a rut. Like it would just, it feels like she was in tailspin, like trying to get attention, trying to get attention. Yeah. Well, that's just too bad. That is not what I was expecting at all. I just thought, yeah, that I don't know. Like, how did she, can you ask? I don't know how we'd be able to ask this, but like, how is it that with the murder or the death, right? She died of an overdose, but she was like hogtied or, you know, tied up and stuff. Like, how is that possible? Well, let's see. She was able to do it. Let me see. Did she stage everything? Yes. She staged everything. And she staged her suicide? Yes. I get this, like, I'll show them. I'll show them kind of feeling about the suicide. Like, they'll really believe it then. This almost feels like Munchausen. Yeah, kind of has those vibes, doesn't it? It does. Sad. Yeah, it is sad. Well, both of these situations, we picked two sad women, didn't we? Two situations yeah. that were sad. Yeah. So next week, we got to come to you guys with something more positive, a little crypto, alien Something, something good. We need to pick out something good because it's it's kind of a bummer. And I'm sorry to leave it on this note, but like those are the <laughs> stories that we had today. If there's any stories that you would like to hear uh, on the podcast, please email us at readingtheroom at gmail.com and visit our website at readingtheroom.live. Check us out on social media. We have TikTok, uh, Facebook, you know, Instagram. We're there. That's, if you have any social. questions socials if you have any questions please feel free to email us uh we'll talk to you soon and as always bye-bye bye